back to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at PCRC in Pisa, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. And we realize that whenever Reformation happens, things get messy. And we're starting to see things get messy now in the CRC. So we're taking the opportunity to have conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We are dropping episodes every single Monday. We've also created a Facebook page where you'll find our podcasts and quotes and other good articles. If you want to find us, just search The Messy Reformation on Facebook and like our page so you're up to date. We also want to say thanks so much for all of you who've sponsored us over on Patreon. You have no idea how much we appreciate it. And if you want to keep seeing us put out content and appreciate what we're doing, head on over to patreon.com backslash the messy reformation. We're hoping to get 20 sponsors at $5 a month. That's the only way we're going to be able to keep putting out content for a long time. And as you know, reformation is going to take a long time. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part two of our conversation with Todd Caparis. I think we we can we can see a love that that people in our denomination have had for the lost and and reaching out to those who have never heard and and frontier missions uh whether it's um frontier missions right here in our own nation or um overseas uh, I think that's been such a um uh yeah strong emphasis of of our denomination um, I, I also appreciate our emphasis on uh, on education and the um, even you know Christian day school. I I grew up going to Christian school, went to to Calvin College, um, and I for for me there's something really special about uh, Christian day school. And uh, I know you've talked about the three legged stool and and all that goes with that. Um, you know, it's it's not for everyone, and I don't I don't think we should go back to that time where we put people down, or you know, um, really even sometimes force them out of our churches because they chose not to use the Christian school. We should never go there, but I do think there's something special about that, and it's been a, a I think a great emphasis in uh, the Christian Reformed Church. So yeah, amen. Uh, th- those are some of the things that that I think of when I think of of our denomination and and why I love it. Yeah, and uh, just going back, uh, one of the things I thought of as you were talking about our the way we've done missions, I think that is the one organization of the of the CRC. If we look at Resonate Ministries, um, I think everybody in the CRC is happy with Resonate with what Resonate is doing. There's people who've got issues with World Renew and issues with the Office of Social Justice and all of those different things, but I think everybody's like resonate is is doing a good job and yeah i mean obviously there's going to be differing opinions on some things but there's for the most part that's the one ministry that as a denomination that we're all on the on board with yeah we've got something here and we're doing a good job with that 
Yeah, and I I think one of the things that that shows is that there there shouldn't be there there doesn't have to be obviously a dichotomy between a rich theological tradition and and a love for missions. And sometimes people have have said, well, you either have one or the other. And I I think the CRC and its history has kind of shown that that's not true. That that doesn't have to be the case. In fact, it shouldn't it shouldn't be the case. And and I I think the the richer our theology is uh the more our our love and emphasis for mission should be oh absolutely i i think even as uh reformed christians who have a a robust understanding of god's sovereignty um i think we kind of root and ground our basis for missions in that doctrine itself do you agree absolutely absolutely i i uh, packer's book um, sovereignty and uh, evangelism and sovereignty of God is is so great in in bringing that out and that reformed perspective of of evangelism missions that we don't do we don't do evangelism in order to win converts and then by that we glorify God we do evangelism to glorify God and God will choose who He brings to Himself. Um, and, and uh, again, that takes so much pressure off of us. If, if we can simply be faithful in, in bringing the word and in teaching the word at, at the end of the day, you know, we can put our head on the pillow and say, God, I, I know I didn't do it perfectly. I didn't even do it well, but this is in your hands. Lord, help me to, to be a better evangelist tomorrow. And we don't have to freak out that I may have, you know, kept somebody out of the kingdom. Uh, by by not saying the right things. Yeah, well, and even I, I know in my own life, I, I've always laughed when people have said, well, if you focus too much on, you know, understanding theology and blah, 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 you're going to be less evangelistic. Or if you focus on the sovereignty of God, you're going to be less evangelistic. And I've laughed because I've said, actually, both of those things have been like the driving force of my life to be focused on on evangelism and, and seeking out the lost that as i as i get to as i come to know god and his word and the way he works in the world more fully it stirred my heart to want other people to know that i want people to understand who this god is and how he works and the beauty of it and i get excited and i want to tell people about it right and then yeah. as i do that and I rest on God's sovereignty, then that gives me this confidence to enter into places where I would maybe not enter into thinking like, there's no way I'm going to convert anybody by this conversation. And I can go in and just try to be faithful and, and, you know, not a jerk, obviously, but I just go in and faithfully talk about and live out my faith and talk about God and, and share the gospel and trust that God will use this somehow for his glory. And and for furthering his kingdom. And so the two things that people sometimes criticize about um, the reformed tradition, I laugh because I, that's actually what motivated me to get out there and, and do these things. Absolutely. And, and um, to kind of jump off of that, maybe a, a little um, different topic, but uh, reminds me of when I, when I started seminary the, the first time um, I had a number of people would say to me, you got to be careful when you go to seminary because um, your faith's going to dry up because you're going to be learning all this theology and and it, you know you're you're going to lose that relationship with Christ. 
And man, I, I found just the opposite. And I, I can just remember sitting in Old, Test, Old Testament classes with Ari Later and, and him just, you know, opening the word to us and showing us who God is. And, and my heart was just so full. I'm sitting, I'm sitting in an Old Testament class for three hours and I would come out of there, my heart just ready to burst because of how great God is. And yeah, I, I found it was just the opposite. As I learned more, as I, you know, dove more into, into theology and into God's word and who he was, oh, it, it, my relationship just was, was opened up. And I, so I think that goes right along with, with what you're saying in terms of missions. The more we know, the, the more we fall in love with who he is and, and what he's done in Jesus Christ. And we, then we, we just, we can't stop talking about it. Yeah. Amen. And we, and Willie and I have seen that exact same thing actually work itself out in our youth ministry as well. I mean, our youth ministry was known really for two, two things in, in our community. Um, one, we really challenged kids and taught deep theology. So we, I mean, we walked all of our kids, um, worked their way through Burkhoff's systematic theology, right? So, I mean, we, we were challenging. We were just known for being that group, but also 50% of our youth group were, were unchurched kids. Awesome. And so like we were, we were teaching deep theology. We were teaching the sovereignty of God. We were diving in and wrestling with what some people would call some theological minutia, even things we should ignore. And, uh, and we were still, re- and we were reaching the lost in the middle of that. And even the, the lost kids were interested, like, what is this stuff? And they were kind of curious about it. And, and so we didn't drive people away by focusing on diving deeper into doctrine and knowing God. It actually had the opposite effect where it kind of drew people in because they were, um, they were wanting to know, what do you believe about this? Who is this God? We want to understand more about this. And nobody talks about it. That was the lost kids repeatedly would say, we're here because nobody else is talking about this stuff and you guys are willing to talk about it. So we're here. We want to learn. We want to understand what's going on. Yeah. And I, I'm sure this has been your experience too. Um, I, I found that to be true of, of the church kids too. Um, I, I think there, there was a time where, where many of our um, leaders meaning well would say to kids when they had deep questions, well, you don't have to worry about that. That's not a question that you need to have answered. Don't even worry about it. And, you know, when we respond to young people that way, young people in their minds are saying, but I, I asked the question because I want to know. And you're telling me that my question is, a, is really a stupid question to ask. And so when, when you're willing as, as pastors and youth pastors, when we're willing to answer these deep questions, I mean, kids, our young people, they, they're hungry for, for that kind of knowledge. They want to know why they, why they believe what they believe. I think it's, it's a, it's a sweet thing. Well, and that's really the formative aspect of those teenage years is, is they are trying to figure out who they are um, and why, and, and that's why we lose a lot of kids in that age grade because they're trying to figure out their identity and who they are and why they believe what they believe. And if we don't, if we don't meet those needs there, um, they go looking elsewhere for someone else to meet those needs. So I want to shift gears a little bit now um, because we're, we're starting to somewhat run out of time. And I do always want to ask what, 
as you look out across the the broader Christian Reformed Church right now, what are some of the the major concerns that you have? Yeah, obviously, you know, some of the things that are coming up at at Synod this year on um, human sexuality are are a big concern. But I I do think that at the the root of all of that is um, the loss of the the centrality of the gospel. Um, you know, I, well, Jason, I remember when we were, we were sitting in a class together and, and it was probably you that asked the professor the question. So can you it tell was me? Okay. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. You know, can, can you tell me what, what the gospel is? Tell us, articulate the gospel. And the professor couldn't do it, could not articulate the gospel. And it was just kind of this mushy, well, it's kind of everything having to do with faith. And that was so discouraging. And, you know, if we, if we lose the centrality of the gospel, then like, you know, we were talking about before, we lose that power of God unto salvation in our churches. And uh, this is, this is where, where God works. And, and, you know, think about Paul and and his emphasis on Christ and him crucified. um, I'm right now preaching through, through the gospel of Mark. And we just got, up to, to Mark 11, which is the uh, Palm Sunday triumphal entry. And, and just, you know, how amazing it is that, that Mark goes uh, 10 chapters on the first three years of Jesus' ministry, and then six whole chapters on that last week. And like, yeah. you know, if, if that's what the gospel writers did, obviously they thought that the, the last week of Jesus' life, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection was was that central to that story that central to the gospel and when we when we try to teach a gospel where the atonement isn't isn't at the the heart of that we're, we're missing out we're we're losing that that uh, that power of of the gospel and and it becomes it then becomes about what we can do and and that's I think that's my greatest concern. I think so many of the other issues that we're seeing in our denomination stem from from that loss of being able to articulate the gospel. Yeah, amen. I, I completely agree with that. Um, and just regarding this year's synod, uh, Todd, do you think this is going to be a pretty pivotal year for the history of our denomination? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I don't see how how it can be otherwise. I. I I just don't see a way forward where where we can continue as we are, and so things have got to go one way or another at this synod, and it's it's going to change everything about who we are as a denomination, and 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 I actually think that that's okay. Um, you know, it's 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 time for us to move forward toward unity. You know, we're all we're all about unity. We talk about unity and. But we cannot have unity the way that we are as a denomination right now. So we've got to figure out who we are. We've got to figure out that family identity as a denomination in order to have true unity as, as brothers and sisters uh, in, in our denomination. One of, the, one of the pushbacks coming at the human sexuality report um, is that if we make this a confessional matter, something that binds um, all office bearers, that that will be the most divisive thing that we could do as a denomination. Um, what's your response to people who are making that argument? 
I, I disagree. I, I think it's actually, it, it has to be the, the thing that unifies us. Um, it, we, we are divided. We, we, we just, I mean, we just have to be honest. We are divided. And um, the, the only way for us to unify is for us to, to clearly state what we believe our confessions mean on human sexuality. And that's what this report does. It says, no, this is what our confessions state. This is what they mean. And until we do that, we will be a divided group. Um, I don't think the report is divisive. I think we have been divisive and it's time to unite and it's time to unite by, um, by letting some go one way or another. Thank you for that. I, I completely agree. And do you think for years, uh, certain bodies or classes, Todd, have kind of, I don't know, operated under the guise of being in unity together or being in fellowship together? Yeah. And maybe, and I don't know that I'm answering your question here, but I, I think one of the issues that we've faced um, and that we have to, to kind of come back on is there, there's been sort of this, this view that the denomination equals the denominational agencies. Mm-hmm. That's what the denomination is. Instead of seeing the denomination as the churches, the churches working together, the churches ministering together, the churches holding each other accountable. And so when the agencies have been heading in a certain direction, we've kind of said, well, that's that's the denomination. That's what the denomination does. And I think we're seeing some pushback on that now. And that's that's part of why why we're so divided is the local churches never went when, where the agencies were going. Um, so many of our local churches um, were, were not there. And, and we have to, you know, I would love for us to, to, if it were possible, if it were possible, I'd love to see us do a reset and just start over in terms of the bureaucracy. And maybe there's a way to kind of peel back some of those layers, but to start over and say, no, we, we're about what the churches need. And so let's, as churches come together and decide what we need, instead of allowing, you know, the, the people who are paid at, at the agencies to decide what we need. So I, mm-hmm. That probably doesn't answer your question, Willie, but um, I, I do think that's a pretty big part of, of what we need to focus on as a done. Yeah, no, completely agree. And that's very insightful. And I think you, you've touched on what a lot of other church leaders and pastors are also feeling in there. So I appreciate that. And uh, a question that we generally tend to end with as our time draws near is, um, what do you think is incumbent upon us as agents of God's sovereignty? Uh, what do you think is incumbent upon us to do uh, to kind of instill reformation? Uh, do you Do you think that the CRC is worth reforming? And if so, then what steps should we be making towards reformation? Yeah, that, that is a great question. Um, and, and as someone you know, who's grown up in the CRC and loves the CRC, I, you know, I, I right away want to say, yes, it's, it's worth reforming. And I, I do think that um, in a way we should always think that, that churches are worth reforming and groups of churches are worth reforming always. Um, 
but it's not it's not just about you know the the CRC name although I I love the CRC heritage and would want to see it reformed but it mm-hmm. it's it, it's more about whether churches are reforming according to God's word mm-hmm. and and if if that means you know that that there will be a group of churches that continues to reform according to God's word and calls themselves CRC praise God for that um, but if it means that that churches that are reforming according to God's word are, are called by a different name or end up elsewhere, uh, praise God for that as well. Um, I do think that we should be, be f- in a way, fighting for that reformation to happen within our, our groups of churches. And, um, and, and that starts, Willie, I mean, yeah, it obviously starts by all of us seeking to be faithful to to what God's word says and really, you know, diving back in, into scripture. I, I think these kinds of conversations are so helpful and so necessary for us as we, as we seek that kind of reformation, um, even things like, like what you guys are doing and, and the Bide project, uh, you know, that it's ways for, for us as pastors to include um, some of our, our leaders in what's going on and in, in, in those conversations. And I, I think that's the way for us to, to have reformation because it has to start at the local level. It has to start at, at the church, local church level. And, and I believe that that then starts with our, with our elders, with our, our lay mm-hmm. leaders. Yeah. Well, even beyond that, um, or even, I guess, more locally, I was just reminded, and I forget who it was again, but they had, they had asked, uh, I don't know if they had asked DL Moody or Billy Graham or something, some, one of those big evangelists, you know, what needs to happen for reformation? And, and he said, uh, draw a circle in the middle of your room, stand in that circle, and ask for reformation to happen in that circle first. <laughs> That's good. And so it's uh you know it's a reminder for all of us pastors as well that you know if we want to see reformation happen in our denomination, um reformation needs to happen in our own hearts as well. And um and I think and and it's easy for us to to kind of pit the denomination against ourselves and say well the denomination's refusing to to take a stand on these matters and the denominations refusing to, to do discipline on these matters and the denominate. And then um, it's easy to point the finger the opposite way. And then we probably need to point it back at ourselves and say, well, um, are, are you taking a stand on these matters in your local church? And um, are you, are you doing church discipline in your local church? And are you doing discipline in your own life and in your own family? And, and uh, cause that's where it all begins. And then it kind of bubbles up from there into the broader, into the broader denomination. So true. And, and that really also um, shows, or it, it, it reminds us how important prayer is. If reformation is going to start with me and in my circles and then in, in my local church, um, that only God can do that. And so prayer Prayer is is vital. Prayer is is a hundred percent vital for this. And how many of us have been have been faithful in in praying that for for us as individuals and for you know for for me as a person for my family, um, seeing reformation then in in the church and and in, then to the to the broader um, assembly. 
Um, and I, I, that's an area where I have not been as faithful as I, I should be. And I'm kind of preaching to myself when I say that, but man, how important prayer is. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I was just wondering, Todd, and that's a good word. And I think you're hitting on a lot of the stuff that I'm just about to ask you. Uh, I was wondering if you just have one final word kind of to our listeners, anybody who is in the midst of fighting the good fight here. Uh, do you have any words to kind of just leave us with here as we as we close? Sure. Uh, you know, I love I love the way you guys close your program because it is that encouragement. Jesus Christ will build his church and Jesus Christ will keep his church. And so our our call, um, even as we seek reformation, our call is not to bring about that reformation. Our call is to be faithful to God's word. And so we're, we're in this together. And that's one of the things I, I love. We're, you know, we're seeing more and more people who are, who are in this and we're, we're seeking the same things. And so be encouraged. Um, you're, we're not alone. You're not alone. Whoever, whoever's out there, you're, you're not alone in this. But above all, Jesus Christ will build his church. And so let's let's just be faithful and and trust that God will do what what is good and right and best for our denomination and and for his church universal. That's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week for our conversation with Scott Mullenberg. Until then, don't forget this is Christ Church and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation.